0: 1 Peter chapter 2, we're beginning begin at verse 4. Let's pray. We'll do a little uh, context, a little background, and then we'll get into the Word. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you, Lord. We ask, Lord, as we, now as we go to your Word, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us. I pray for anybody who here, is here today, is new, that they would feel welcomed and loved. And I pray for all of us when we're distracted by so many other things that right now we would give you the attention you deserve. Make this the most attentive hour of our week. We ask these things in your holy, and your precious name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Hopefully you have an outline. We'll get to that in just a moment. So again, we've been seeing this both in James and now here in Peter, that the early church is facing great persecution, going through great trials. And it's a, and it's a transition that we've, uh, it'd be hard for us to even understand in a way because these were people that grew up going to the temple. They grew up under the old covenant. They grew up with a high priest. They grew up with all of those things that was ingrained in them. And then Jesus came and everything changed. And sadly, most people stayed with the old temple and most people stayed with the old covenant. The Pharisees were the ones who, who urged the people to cry out, crucify him and have Jesus put to death. And so now these early Christians, because of their faith in the Lord, a lot of them have lost their families. A lot of their family members want nothing to do with them because they think they abandoned the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when they're really following the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They also, in some cases, because of Caesar Nero and other persecution that was taking place, were scattered away from their own homes. So not only did they lose their family members, Not only did they stop going to temple, which is something they've done their whole life, but in many cases, they lost their family as well. And so now here they're in their home. So now they may be in different cities. Uh, Their lives are on the line. They're facing great persecution. And so Peter writes this letter to encourage them in the midst of trials, in the midst of seemingly losing everything. Here's what we need to remember. We don't Equate everything as the things that are temporary. We equate everything as the things that are eternal. Amen? Amen. See the temporary stuff that gets us bummed out. It's all gonna burn. It's all chaff. It won't matter in heaven. Amen? Amen. One of the last texts I had with my son. He bought a new truck. He only had it for like ten days, and then the engine seized, and he was bummed. And I'm texting him. I said, "Mark, when you get to, when we get to heaven, it just won't matter." He goes, dad, you're right. Guess what? My son's in heaven. He's not worried about that truck. Can I get an amen to that? And the reality is for us too, we can get with the enemy will use that temporal stuff and the circumstances of this life to weigh us down. And that's who Peter's writing to. Peter's writing to these early Christians, facing trials, facing persecution, having lost out of their comfort zone completely. and And he's encouraging them. It's in such times that, we become overwhelmed and, and lose our bearings, that we can begin to lose perspective as we look at life through our circumstances. As our circumstances become the focus, we can begin to take our eyes off the Lord. One of, my favorite, one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite old hymns, if you will, is turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. Amen? Amen? And so turning our eyes on Jesus, if guys, if we have our eyes on the waves, we panic. If we have our eyes on the Savior who's in the boat with us, we'll never panic. Amen. If we have our eyes on the White House or politics or, the, or inflation or our job situation or the pandemic or whatever else can distract us and take our eyes off of Jesus, we'll find ourselves depressed, discouraged, anxious, even fearful. And that all can happen to all of us. But Peter's writing this letter to these very people. So it has application to them. Now they were being fed to lions. We're not there yet. Amen. So, but at the same time, I believe this has great application for us as well. We can even begin to to doubt or reject or blame God. And I, I just can't think of anything more foolish. We can all do it, But there's nothing more foolish than wanting to blame God, be mad at God, be upset with God. We need to be running to God, not from Him. Amen? Amen. And He loves us. And we're going to talk about just how precious our Savior is today. It's in times like these that we need someone to come alongside us and remind us of the truth. This is why we need to be in fellowship. Amen? You have a long week, and especially if you miss church for a while, and you get caught up in other things, football games are on, or whatever else it might be. And before you know it, you're so focused on that, you're not in fellowship. And then that just adds to the problem because, guys, we need fellowship. We need to be in the Word. Our God is worthy to be worshiped and to be praised. Forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. Amen? And the other thing that happens here is God's going to use your gifts to minister to somebody else. As Christians, we're not consumers. We're servants. Amen? Amen? So what do we do? When you come to church, someone may put their arm around you and encourage you because you're going through a tough time. You guys have been a great encouragement to my family over these last four months tomorrow. And you know what? The same is true for us. We all need to be ministering to each other. We desperately need fellowship. We need an opportunity to be encouraged and reminded of the character and the promises of God to help us get our eyes off the circumstances and back on the Lord. The greatness, the power, the holiness, the character of our God brings the proper perspective to our circumstance. No circumstance is greater than our God. Amen? Amen? Because we serve a great God, our problems are small. Your problems are only great if your God is small. We don't serve a small God, we serve a great God. And He is greater than anything that we may face. No circumstance is beyond, the, it, it can compare to His greatness, to His ability to deliver us or to bring us through them. He doesn't always deliver us, sometimes He brings us through it. But bringing us through it grows us. Amen? And when we grow spiritually, you know what that allows us to do? Be more prepared to minister to somebody else. After Mark went to heaven, the first three people I called on the phone that I've been still talked to are all three pastor friends of mine who all lost children. And because they've been down that road, they're able to minister to me. And whatever road you may go down, whatever trial you may have been through, whatever that that difficulty it was of your life, you need to know that no suffering is wasted and God will use your suffering for His glory if you will but let Him. Amen? Amen. Amen? And so we need to be reminded of that. And that's what Peter's doing. He's taking their eyes. Take your eyes off the the circumstances and get your eyes back on Jesus. The world doesn't have the answers. Jesus Christ is the answer. Amen. Amen? I don't care what you're going through, Jesus is the answer. Peter's words were to be just such a calming force to these persecuted first century Christians, bringing perspective to their circumstances by reminding them of the power and the character of our God. I always tell people, look, when they're struggling, I say, just trust God's character. You know, to know him is to love him. If you spend time in the word of God, you're going to get to know him better. That's why reading through the whole council, nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian, amen? Amen. And so we want to read the whole counsel of God. And as we do, we get to know him better. And as we get to know him better, we get to love him more. And as we know his character, we know that we can trust him no matter what in the world is going on around us. No doubt some, if not many of us this morning have allowed our circumstances and the difficulties of this life to produce fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, We too need to get our eyes back on the love and grace and mercy and character and power of the great and awesome God that we serve. We have hope. We have the promise of eternal life. We've been given a down payment on heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit. He will never leave us nor forsake us. No one can ever snatch us out of his hand. We don't need to be so concerned about what's going on around us as long as we know the one who's in control and the one who's in control is Jesus Christ. Amen? Our limited understanding of him ought to produce an incredible love for him and a passion to live for him. I don't know about you, but I'm more excited about heaven than I've ever been. And I'm I'm ready, I'm ready to sign up today. Amen? Let's go. Heaven's better. No politics in heaven. No masks in heaven. No pandemic in heaven. No fear in heaven. No worry in heaven. No anxiety in heaven. No taxes in heaven. No pain in heaven. Amen? And we never have to say goodbye to the people that we love ever again. And we will see Jesus face to face. Guys, it just, heaven's going to blow us away. I'm ready. But you know what? This isn't our home. And if somebody gave me a t-shirt this week, it says, this, this is, you know, heaven, is, heaven is my home. I'm just here recruiting. Can I get amen to that? And so we just want to bring people to heaven with us. Amen? And Peter, so far, here's what he's told. And then we'll get into the text. He's told them their inheritance and their treasure is in heaven. He told them that their hope is in the resurrection. He's told them that they are kept by the power of God. He told them that their trials are for but a little while. That really ministered to me. You know, the trials we're going through, sometimes we can feel like they're just going on forever. And to some degree, there are certain things you will never get back. Mark's not coming back, and he wouldn't if he had a chance to. But that being said, it's, it's hard. It, it, My life, my wife's life, my family's life will never be the same because my son's not here. But you know what? His life's better than all of ours. And he's doing better than all of us. And that first hug in heaven is going to wipe away all this pain. Amen? And so he's reminding them that the pain you're going through is for but a little while. See, well, but pastor, I've been going through this for 20 years. Well, guess what? Eternity, 20 years is but a little while compared to eternity. Can I get an amen to that? So whatever this temporary stuff we're going through, it, it, be reminded it is temporary. This too shall pass. The trials are for a little while. It's but light affliction when compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Genuine faith we saw is proven by those being tested by fire. A faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. They have had more revealed to them, he said, than the prophets. All the prophets that went before you did not have the revelation that you have. And what he would say to us today is, we have more revelation of truth than anybody's ever had. The reformation of Israel as a nation again. Biblical prophecy, over 200 prophecies fulfilled by Jesus Christ. We've seen them all. Every time they unshovel a a shovel of dirt in Israel, the Bible's proven to be true yet again. And so all of this, we have more exposure to the truth. We have more access to the word of God, more access to Christian commentaries, Christian music. I mean, fellowship, such a blessing. In light of the truth that they had learned He calls them to walk in obedience, to no longer live as they did when they were lost. As Christians, again, you've heard me say it, if money doesn't change Sunday, doesn't count. Amen? The reality is that who we are throughout the week is a reflection of where we are with Jesus Christ. It's easy to be a Christian sitting in a chair on a Sunday morning, but who are we throughout the week? Amen? And that's a reflection of where we are with the Lord. And then he encouraged them at the end of last week's chapter to lay aside those things that he used to struggle with, malice, the desire to injure, in, to injure others, deceit, lying or defrauding, envy. You know, we should be, so, we should be, more, we should be more excited when so, God blesses someone else than we get blessed ourselves. Can I get an amen? It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about him. Amen? And we've all got plenty. We're all the, some of the richest people on the planet. We should never, by the way, complaining is sin. Amen. What do we have to complain about? Well, you know, man, my, yeah, my, you know, my, uh, whatever. My AC's out of my car, whatever. And we complain, moan and complain about just whatever. And here's the reality. We're going to heaven. Amen. You can be worried about your AC in your car when you get to heaven exactly. It's all temporary. It is but light affliction. We need to have an eternal perspective. Now, here's the other thing we need to do. We need to make sure that we're as burdened for the lost as our Savior is. Amen? Every believer this side of heaven should be burdened for every unbeliever this side of hell. Everybody who's born is going to live forever, and it's either smoking or non-smoking. Can I get an amen to that? And we want people to go to heaven. We want people to know Jesus. And you know what? Lord, help us. He talked about at the end of that last chapter that to feed on the word like newborn babies. And We talked about how babies are voracious when they eat. They dream about eating. You see them in their crib and they're, they're sucking in their crib, thinking about when they're going to eat again. As believers, we should have that kind of hunger for God's word. Amen? We should hunger for it, have a passion for it. And again, the enemy will do everything he can to keep you from it. You'll be scrolling for four hours and haven't spent 15 minutes in the Bible, or watching Netflix, or watching this, or doing that. And again, some of that stuff's not wrong. What I'm saying is, you know what? We, sh- we need to make God the priority and the passion of our lives. Amen? Amen. We're going to stand before the creator of the universe one day, and the stuff that we think is so important, none of it will matter. So, grab your outline. I titled the message, Precious Jesus. Mm-hmm. Precious Jesus. Here's the five points we'll look at in these six verses we're going to look at this morning. First of all, he was rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Jesus was rejected by men. Je- how many? I wonder, I, I don't know the answer to this. I was trying to think. It was probably hundreds of thousands of people heard Jesus teach. We know tens of thousands have did, because at one time he had 5,000 and 7,000 when he fed them, and, right? So there, hundreds of thousands of people heard Jesus teach. Thousands and thousands of them saw him perform miracles. They saw all that the Lord did, and when he died on the cross, everybody abandoned him. Some of the people that heard him teach went from singing, Save Now We Pray You, when he entered in on on Palm Sunday, to four days later crying out, Crucify Him. Because they wanted Jesus to overthrow the government and rule and reign on the earth, and he had something eternal in mind, not something temporal. Amen? Amen. And so it wasn't, people come to Jesus and want Jesus to give them stuff here and now. I'm so glad that what he's going to give us is going to outlast this life. Amen. And we need to have that eternal focus. And that should be the encouragement. He was rejected by men, but chosen by God. Turn away from the world and our old behavior and come to Jesus. You know, that's how he finished the last, the last portion. He, he's like, turn away from this old behavior and come to Jesus. That's what repent means. It means to turn away from your old behavior and to come to Jesus. Is Jesus the priority and passion of your life? Do you think about him more than you think about anything else? Is he on your mind when you wake up? Is he on your mind when you go to bed? Is the Holy Spirit convicting you throughout the day? If he's not, I want to know where your salvation is because the reality is if you're truly born again, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he will comfort you when you need to be comforted and he will convict you when you need to be convicted and Jesus, we should love Jesus more than we love anything else and it shouldn't even be close. Can I get an amen to that? My son, David's getting into a kind of a serious relationship and I met what could be my future daughter-in-law. We'll see what happens. And my first question to her when I met her was, and it wasn't what she thought, she loves the Lord and praise God. We love her. But I just said, do you love Jesus more than you love my son? Because if you don't, this is not going to work. Amen. And that's true for all of us. We need to love Jesus more than we love our spouse. We need to love Jesus more than we love our kids. Because if we love Jesus more than we love our kids, we're going to be amazing parents. Amen? Amen? If we love our, Jesus more than we love our spouse, we'll have a marriage where we honor our spouse. Jesus is precious. Is he precious to you? Coming to Jesus. By the way, he was rejected by men. So if you're rejected by men, you're in good company. <laughs> Amen? Amen? The world will mock your faith. Jeff told me just recently he was getting in an elevator and he had a Jesus hat on and someone mocked him for wearing a Jesus hat and he got to tell him about the Lord. We're going to be mocked if we stand for the Lord, but guys, we're not really suffering for Christ all that much. Can I get an amen? It may be coming, but let's make a stand for him. Amen. He was rejected by men. We're going to be rejected if we stand with him, but you plus God is a majority and I'd rather be on Jesus' side than the world's side any day of the week. Can I get an amen to that? be encouraged. Number two, he's our precious cornerstone. He's the foundation of the church. In Psalm 118, he's the cornerstone. In in Isaiah 8, he's the stumbling stone. In In Isaiah 28, he's the foundation stone. In Daniel 2, he's a supernatural stone cut without hands that destroys all the world's kingdoms. And he's the rock that gave Israel water in the wilderness. Our God rocks literally. He is the rock. Amen? He is the precious cornerstone. The cornerstone was the foundation upon which the entire building was built. And if that cornerstone wasn't proper, if it wasn't in the right place, if anything happened to the cornerstone, the entire building would fall apart. There are churches today that are getting away from the cornerstone They become religious country clubs. They talk more about politics or they talk more about the world or they talk more about your circumstances. They talk more about how you can be wealthy or whatever else they want to focus on. And guys, the focus needs to all be on Jesus all the time and his word. Amen. He is the cornerstone. Number three, he's our precious savior. He's our precious savior. True belief reflected in how we see Jesus. Is Jesus precious to you? Are your thoughts of him filled with love and honor and reverence? I would hope that your thoughts of the Lord would bring you to tears from time to time because they ought to. Amen? When you just think about the depths of his love for us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knows us best and he loves us most and that ought to blow us away. Amen? He knows every wicked, vile thing you've ever thought or done, the stuff that you don't want anybody else to know. He knows it and he still loves you. And He didn't just love you, but He loves you enough to die for you, knowing all that you've done and all that you're going to do. That's our God. Amen? Muhammad did not do that. Buddha did not do that. The Hindu gods, they got 30 million gods. None of them did it. Can I get an amen? Charles Taze Russell... Joseph Smith of the Mormon Church, a bunch of dead, false prophets. We serve a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. He is our precious Savior, amen? And he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Number four, he's the source of salvation and the stone of stumbling. See, if you know the Lord, he's the source of salvation. If you know the Lord, you see the cross and you rejoice, amen? Every time I see someone wearing a cross, it, it encourages me, it blesses me, it makes me thank the Lord again, Amen? We have a cross in our backyard. We had put one up on a hill and someone stole it. Someone built one. It's in our backyard. So every, I look out my backyard every day and there's the cross. It reminds me again of the love and grace and mercy of our Savior and reminds me of where my son is. Amen. But we need to be reminded of that. But see, if you don't know the Lord, the cross is offensive. And it's supposed to be. Amen. It's a rock of offense, it's a stone of offense. It offends you if you don't know the Lord because it's convicting. I've shared this with you when I worked up in San Jose, I had a bunch of Christian stuff in my my cubicle and everybody had all their, the guy next to me had a gay Johnny poster and someone down the way had a feng shui this or whatever. And I had Christian stuff and I got called into the office. They said, people are being offended. I said, it's supposed to offend. That's why I put it up. Can I get an amen to that? It's to encourage the believers and offend the unbelievers. Amen? Well, you got to take it down. Yeah, I'm not going to. They're taking the gay Johnny poster down. They're taking all the other stuff down? No, we're leaving that stuff up. Well, we knew you were not going to, but we had to, we're going to put it in, fine, go ahead. Guys, here's the reality. Here's the reality, guys. The cross offends people because it makes us recognize that we have, that we. what have you done with God's son? And people don't want to be reminded. They want to live a life contrary to the word of God. They want to feed their flesh constantly, and they don't want, they want to, they want to put out any light that shines in their face. And that's what the cross of Christ is. It's a halogen light. And that's what you and I are. We're called to be the light of the world. Amen? And the light is wonderful when people want to have light. And when you walk, you know, I, I want to encourage you, go into a bar at 2 a.m. with, the, with the, you know, a halogen light and see what kind of response you get. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> Blow that baby up and everybody's going to be throwing rocks at you. So when we walk into the world and we're shining for Jesus, to some people... Dude, turn that light off. We don't turn the light off because we're living for the Lord. And then finally, we are his own special people. Isn't that amazing that we're his people? We're gonna see that we're a chosen generation. We're a holy nation. People think it's talking about Israel. It's not talking about Israel because he's talking to the early church. You know who the nation is? Us. You know why? Because when we gave our life to Jesus Christ, we're all citizens of heaven. Amen? <laughs> So we're part of a holy nation and praise God for that. We're his special people. We're his family, his tribe, his offspring. We've been called out of darkness into marvelous light and the people of God, we have obtained his mercy. So let's begin there in verse four, looking at precious Jesus rejected by men, but chosen by God. It says, for God did, for if God did not spare, whoops, that's second Peter. We'll get there soon enough. It says, Coming to him as to the living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Now, coming to him coming to him. So he's just talked to them in the previous verses about laying aside malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all evil speaking. And as newborn babies, desiring the word of God that you may grow, that indeed you've tasted the graciousness of God. And because of that, you put all that aside and you come to him, come to him. Him, that's Jesus, our precious Lord, our Savior, and our God. The context again is turning away from evil behavior and coming to Jesus. There's a term that's used that, oh, we had to come to Jesus. That means we had to talk. That's where you, you called someone out on what they're doing and you said, man, it's time to come to Jesus. Amen? Amen. And you know what? We need to have a come to Jesus with ourselves every single day. Amen. Amen? to look in the mirror and recognize how we're getting distracted, how we're being drawn away, how the things of this world are starting to overwhelm us. And he says here, coming to him as a living stone. The living stone is the foundation of our faith. He is the rock upon which we stand. Guys, we don't stand in assurance because we're good. We stand in assurance because he's good. Amen? Our, our, our assurance, our hope isn't in us, and it's not even in our church or, or our religion, it's in Jesus. Amen. See guys, it's about having a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Is Jesus Christ your best friend? Are you, when I was a youth pastor, you say, are you married to Jesus? We're the bride of Christ. Amen? And we come to Him. We run to him when we're hurting. We turn to him when we need wisdom and direction. We walk with him all day, every day, and he will never let us go. That should encourage us all this morning. Amen? He's the perfect holy creator. He's the giver of life. He thought about you when he hung on the cross of Calvary. He'd rather die than live without you. And he's preparing a place for you. He seated at the right hand of the Father, praying for you right now. The next time you feel alone, just remember what Jesus is doing for you. Not what he's already done, but what he's also doing for you. He's praying for you. He's interceding on your behalf. That's the God that we serve. It says there, come to him. Rejected indeed by men. How did mankind respond to his gracious work of redemption at Calvary? A vast majority rejected him, and many shouted, crucify him. Jesus, how could anybody hate Jesus? How is this possible? Well, they can only have a problem with Jesus if they don't know anything about him. And most people you talk to, when you talk about Jesus, they kind of give Jesus a pass. Well, yeah, Jesus, yeah, I'm sure he was all right. It's all the Christians I don't like. Or it's the church I don't like. Or it's your politics I don't like. Or it's your rules I don't like, or whatever. But here's the reality. Jesus is without accusation. Amen? What has he ever done but die for the entire world? What did he do but heal the sick and love the unlovable? And minister to people that everyone else rejected. And guess what? We are Christians, which means little Christ. We're not Christ. We're not God. But we are his followers. And we should be reflecting him by doing the same thing that he did when he was here. Loving people that no one else wants to love. Ministering to people. I have a coworker that just called me that had a family member die. Haven't talked to her in years and wants me to do the funeral. And of course I'm going. Guys, whenever we have an opportunity to minister to somebody, we need to do it. Amen. We should never be too busy to minister to somebody. Amen. Amen. Jesus never was. Apostle Paul never was. He's never so, they they could be headed somewhere important and the divine appointment comes along and they stop. I want you to know that that divine appointment is eternal and whatever you're headed to do probably isn't. Amen. And the exhortation here is, he was rejected by men. Perfect holy God was rejected by men. We're far from perfect, and we're only holy because of who we are in him, so we shouldn't be surprised when we're rejected by men. In the midst of persecution by the world, remember again that Jesus was rejected, but even that had been prophesied as part of God's plan. It says in Psalm 118, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. He was rejected by men. Jesus is the foundation of something far greater than the conquering king and Messiah they cried out for. And God didn't care about man's approval, but being faithful to his father. And we ought to follow that pattern, amen? Quit worrying about what people think about you. By the way, they're really not even thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves and what they think you think about them. And you're not thinking about them, you're thinking about yourself. Can I get an amen to that? And people are all whipped up about how many followers, how many followers do you have? How many likes did you get? I only want one like from him. Can I get an amen? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the best like you're ever going to get. Can I get an amen to that? And we're so caught up in the stuff that's perishing. It doesn't matter. We want to get the attention of the world instead of just being faithful to God. Jesus ministered to tens if not hundreds of thousands of people and virtually all of them rejected him. Do you know even after he rose from the dead that the early church had 120 people? He rose from the dead. (laughs) Dead people got up and were walking around in Jerusalem. Did you know that? It's in the Bible. When Jesus rose from the dead, Dead people got up. Grandma, who you buried 50 years ago, showed up at your house. (laughs) Knocked on the door. How did everybody not get saved? And then when Jesus is in the upper room, there's 120 people there. After he ascends to the Father, there's still 120 people. And then Peter shares the gospel and 3,000 people get saved. So sort the of flexible there we go but the bottom line is that we need to recognize that the world rejected jesus for the most part and when we stand for him most people are not getting the bible says broad is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the path that leads to salvation now again we want to reach out to the people on the broad road and never be arrogant about being on the narrow road because we didn't do anything to deserve it amen it's only by his mercy but it's heartbreaking that so many reject the Lord. So we shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. Amen? Right. So you know what's going to change them? Not you screaming at them. Not a political argument. You know what's going to change them? Get on your knees and start praying for them. Pray for an opportunity to share Jesus with them. Pray that God will do something to get their attention. And pray that the Holy Spirit will soften their heart and open their eyes to the truth. Pray that they will be born again because that's the only thing that's going to change them. That's right. Amen? Amen? And that's what we want to see happen. It's what happened to us. We're so thankful. These are words of encouragement and exhortation for these early Christians. Because guess what? They had been rejected. See, we don't really understand it the way they do, but they had lost, some of them lost their family, as I talked about. Oh, you give, you're following that rabbi? They've disowned them. They, they no longer went to the temple, the place they'd gone to their whole life. They Some of them had to flee to other cities, and now Nero's looking to burn them at the stake or feed them to lions. And so he's encouraging them, yeah, well, yeah, you've been rejected. Yeah, you're being persecuted. Well, do the same thing to your Savior. Amen? So he's encouraging those who are in a place of great rejection, a place of great persecution, going through great trials. Um, And here's what was happening. Some of these early Christians were starting to dial it down well, you know, I talk too much about the Lord, then people are, you know, I might get fed to lions next week. I think I'm out. I think I'll just keep it to myself a little bit. Maybe we can just have a home Bible study and only invite people. We... And here's the reality that as Christians, we can fall into the same trap. We can fall into the trap of being so worried about what people think about us that we keep our faith to ourselves. And you know when God's telling you to speak up. Can I get an amen to that? You know it, don't you? Say it, say it. Say it, speak it up, don't be ashamed of me, amen? I used to have hair back there, it's been happening so long, amen? But the reality is, that we know when those divine appointments come, and how many besides me have wimped out on some of those? Just say it, tell the guy, it's right here, It's a divine appointment. And you don't do it, we walk away. Do you know that God brought you there so that person could hear about the love of Christ, and that person may reject you, but guess what? Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake. For so they did the prophets who went before you. That's what Jesus said. Amen. And again, don't be rejected because you're a jerk. Don't be self-righteous. Don't be a Pharisee. The Pharisees need to be re- needed to be rejected. Can I get an amen to that? But we need to love people the way that the Lord loves them. And these are words of encouragement to those that are persecuted saying, you're in good company. Don't feel alone. It's okay. The Bible talks about the fellowship of his suffering. None of us is gonna suffer more than Jesus, amen? And yet, he loves us. Jesus said it again, the blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Oh, how happy you should be, because that means God's using you. In midst of their persecution, Jesus would would tell them to rejoice and that they are are (laughs) blessed. He says, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Rejected by men, chosen by God. Would you rather be chosen by men and rejected by God? That's what a lot of the world chases after. I want to be popular with men, even if that means I'm disobeying God. I want to do what my flesh wants, even if that, and, and be chosen by my flesh and rejected by God. And guys, the only thing, the only, again, the only like we should be worried about is Jesus. Amen. The early Christians received this having been rejected and they were being reminded, you're chosen and precious to God. See, in those moments, they they would forget it. But wait a minute, everybody wants to kill us. My family's not talking to me. I had to flee my home. I don't even have my house anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm living in a Christian's house in another town and we're all scared to death for our lives. And they need to be reminded, God chose you. God's got you. He's got you in his hand. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And the worst thing the world can do to you is the best thing that could happen to you. Can I get an amen to that? Can't threaten me with heaven. Brings peace to all circumstances. Chosen by God is eternally significant. The approval of man is temporary and meaningless. Amen? Amen. The approval of man is temporary and meaningless and being chosen by God is eternal and significant. Sadly, most are far more concerned with being popular before men than being faithful to God. Notice he says there, and precious. The word precious there means valuable. Always, you know, what do they call them? They call them precious stones, right? Right? A diamond is a precious stone, a, a ruby. Why? Because they're stones of great value. That's what makes them precious. You know what? You are so valuable to God that it makes you precious to him. He'd rather die than live without you. Again, you, you know, you're the pearl of great price. We see that you know, parable where the landowner goes and sells all that he has so he can buy this plot of land because there's one pearl there that he wants. And Jesus sold it all so you could be forgiven. You're the pearl great price to him. You're the one whom he loves. He'd rather die than live without you, especially in the midst of persecution and heartache, just to be reminded that you are precious to God. Some years back, um, it's kind of a God thing. I'll take a minute to share it. This guy named Hank Allen, who I I, my, I, I retired from my job for a short amount of time, only for a few years. I ended up going back. But my last day working there, this guy came in to buy some advertising. And I was literally leaving. And they said, Well, it's assigned to you. I said, Okay, well, let's go talk. We talked for a couple hours. And I sold him some advertising and I was done. I gave my church card. I said, I'm not working here anymore. So if you want to get a hold of me, here, here's the card. Well, about three years later, he comes walking into our church. And he's getting ready to get married. And he didn't know any pastors, but he had this card. I ended up coming in. Him and his. I did their pre counseling. They both ended up getting saved. Then they had a daughter, and at three months old, she had to have open-heart surgery. And I went to visit them at Stanford. And here's this man who's not been a believer a long time. But there was such a picture to me. He was, his daughter had the open-heart surgery. He's sitting in a recliner, and he's holding his daughter in this hand, and he's got his Bible in the other hand. And I thought, wow. I just stood at the door and started weeping because you know what? His daughter was precious to him and he's precious to the Lord. And so is his daughter and he's spending time with the Lord. And guys, that's where we need to run when we're hurting. Can I get an amen to that? When we're going through the trials of this life and the world's, you know, you know, walk to the, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. We got this right here. Can I get an amen to that? Seek godly wisdom, seek godly counsel. You are precious to God. You're precious to God. Be reminded of that. When, when you don't get enough likes, don't worry about it. You're precious to God. He's the only one that counts. Amen? Verse 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. God is building. So here's, the pro- here's part of the struggle. The temple was still there. At the time Peter writes this, the temple's got about five more years before it's going to be destroyed. In AD 70, the temple would be brought to the ground. But while the temple was still there, and by the way, if you've ever been to Israel, have you ever seen a model of Israel, the temple dominated Jerusalem. It was the most awesome building. And so you couldn't ignore it. You couldn't walk by and not see it. And you always went there to worship, and now you don't go there anymore because when Jesus died on the cross, we don't make, we're not sacrificing lambs anymore. Amen? Amen? And we don't need to bring sacrifices into the Holy Holies. We don't need the high priest anymore because Jesus is the great high priest. So they're in this situation where they're no longer welcome or no longer desiring to go to the temple, and then he lets them know, I'm building a spiritual temple. You know that earthly temple? It's all going to come down in a few years. You just don't know that yet, but it's coming down but I'm building a spiritual temple. Where is the temple of the Holy Spirit? It's in us. See, we don't go to the temple, we are the temple. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. They would go and make sacrifice and only the high priest and only on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, only on one day could the high priest and him alone go into the Holy of Holies and be in the presence of Almighty God. Here's the good news. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn and you and I can enter into God's presence anywhere and anytime, any day of the week and praise God for that. Amen? We don't need a building. We are the spiritual building. We are the temple Christ. He said, you guys are living stones are being built up a spiritual house. So good to know that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That he dwells within us. The one who alone holds it all together. Without him, the whole building crumbles. He is the chief quarterstone, but we are living stones because we are linked to him, the one who is the source of life. When people don't know God, they're dead in their trespasses and sins. When you give your life to the Lord, you're alive in Christ. They're dead rocks for living stones. Amen? Not because we're good, but because he's good, which means he has put life into us, and now he is using us, and he indwells us. No life apart from Jesus can only be a part of what God is doing as we are linked to him. But notice what we make up as living stones linked to Jesus, again, a spiritual house. So the replacement for the Jewish temple that many of them had been, again, banned from, and now he's letting them know you don't need the temple, you are the temple, They'd been banished. They'd lost worship, lost fellowship, lost sense of belonging. And for many, it also meant lost communication with family, lost ability to do business because they, didn't, they were no longer part of the temple. We must always remember that anything we lose due to our faith in the Lord, He will replace with something better. Amen? As amazing as the temple was, and it was, it would have been one of the wonders of the world at the time. It was amazing. And it was the most amazing because God's presence dwelt there. But guess what? This temple is more amazing. And God's presence dwells here. Now, we're not God, but he dwells in us. Can I get an amen to that? And we must never forget that. Never lose sight of that. Lost fellowship with men replaced with intimate fellowship with him. Being linked to, to, to him. Linked to other believers. You know what? We are more than friends. We are more than, you know, whatever term people like to use, church members. We don't have membership here. You show up, you're part of the family. You know what we are? We're family. Amen? Blood is thicker than water, but the Holy Spirit is thicker than blood. When you have Jesus in common, you got everything in common. You meet people for 30 seconds that know Jesus, and I'm often closer to them than people I'm related to, who don't know Jesus. Amen? Because isn't there that kindred spirit? I've met people in line at Disneyland that by the time we get to the ride, we're hugging each other, praying for each other, encouraging each other, friending each other on Facebook. You know, I mean, why? We got Jesus. You're a believer. Praise God. Guess what? Amen? And that's what he's talking about. You think you lost fellowship because you can't go to the temple anymore or you won't go to the temple? No, you've gained so much more fellowship because you have the Lord. We have the Lord in common. By the way, let's quit arguing with our brothers and sisters in Christ about non-essentials. Let's focus on the the essentials of the faith, and let's not argue with each other. Let's reach out to people that need to know the Lord. Amen? Be encouraged. There was a lost sense of belonging, lost family. Guys, we're never lost because we're adopted into his family. Amen? We're part of his family. We become his sons and daughters. He's our heavenly father. They had lost fellowship and worship and a few times a a year for feasts and sacrifices, was replaced with intimate worship, fellowship, and access to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know what's sad? I think when we get to heaven, I don't know how God's going to show us, but how much time we could have spent with him and how little time we did spend with him. I'm too busy to talk to God right now. If he showed up in all his glory, nobody would be too busy. You would change all your plans. Can I get an amen? You would cancel everything. You'd go without lunch this afternoon to hang out with the Lord. Well, guess what? He's there. He's available. You're as close to God as you want to be. Amen? We're temples of the Holy Spirit. We never have to go anywhere to worship to have fellowship with God. He's always with us. He dwells within us. We take him with us wherever we go. Just remember when you go to work on Tuesday, if you have tomorrow off, the Holy Spirit just entered the building. Amen? When you're in the grocery store, the Holy Spirit's there. You may not have been there before you got there, but he's there when you got there. Can I get an amen to that? So praise God. And that's why there's that kindred spirit. Again, we go to work, you go to school, he speaks through you, he uses you mightily. These believers should not be bummed or stumbled by lost temple access, a temple that would soon be destroyed, but rejoicing in the fact that they belong to the Lord. Notice he also says there, but a holy priesthood, a holy priesthood. As Christians, we're priests. Now, what does a priest do? Priest's job was to represent God to the people and intercede with God for the people. So the priest would represent God to the people, share about God to the people, and then he would come to God and intercede on behalf of the people. And we know that Jesus is the great high priest, but we're a priesthood because what are we called to do? We're called to represent God to the people, and we're called to bring and intercede on behalf of people with God. Amen? So the same things that the Lord does for us, we are called to do for other people He's seated at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf, and we should be interceding on behalf of others. These early believers had lost access to the Old Covenant high priest, and for some, no doubt, a hard tradition to break. No doubt they were mocked. Who's your priest? We got a high priest. We got, you know, whoever it is, Caiaphas or whoever it is at the time. That's our high priest. Where's your high priest? We got a beautiful temple. Where's your building? You meet outside at a school. Amen, right? Where's your building? guys, it's not about a building. The temple dwells within us, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the church isn't a building, the church is God's people when we gather together, amen? So for some of them, it was hard. We lost our building, and he said, oh, you don't need a building. You got me. Isn't that good? We got the Lord. Peter makes it clear that they become a holy priesthood, and and again, interceding, representing God to the people and representing the people before God. And only the high priest can enter in, but now you and I can enter in anywhere and any time. You know, we don't need a human intermediary anymore. Amen? amen. We don't need him. Baal's been torn. Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. So we don't need a priest. We don't need to confess our sins to a guy in a box and have him tell us how to be forgiven. The Word of God already told us how to be forgiven. Can I get an Amen. amen. We, don't, we don't, don't pray with vain repetition. All this other stuff. You know what all that is? Is putting gates up and putting walls up between us and the Lord. The walls have been torn down. We're not going to sew the veil back up. Can I get an amen? amen. We can enter in his presence anywhere at any time. And that's what God's called us to do. We come to the Father through the Son. We don't need a human priest. No longer need that human intermediary. Because it's Jesus and Jesus alone. That brings us to the Father. It says to offer up spiritual sacrifices, no longer blood sacrifices. You know, the Bible talks about it. So we don't have blood sacrifices anymore. Jesus died on the cross. He said, to tell us die, which is what? It is what? Finished, paid in full, done deal, no more. But the Bible does talk about sacrifices. It talks about sacrifices of praise. Amen? We come humbly before him and we worship him. By the way, we ought to be bringing the roof down when we're worshiping around here. Can I get an Amen. Amen. Somebody agrees. Yay, Ashley. It's true. I go to India, I'm in a room of 40 people, and you would think there was a thousand people in there because they're so stoked about who they are in Christ, they can't keep it to themselves. And then I have people leave stuff, the worship's too loud. You're not going to like heaven then. So I'm going to be quiet in heaven. Can I get an amen to that? Shout it from the mountaintops. We're acceptable to God through Jesus. Our prayers, praise, and intercession to God only accept it as it comes through the Son, our high priest, only one who can make us holy and acceptable is Jesus Christ. And through his shed blood and redemptive works on on the cross of Calvary, perfect, holy God cannot have sin in his presence. He can only receive us as we come to him through the redeeming blood of his Son. You cannot have a relationship with God the Father apart from Jesus Christ the Son. It's impossible. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Can't get there any other way. Good works won't get you there. Going to church won't get you there. Being a good person, by the way, there are no good people. Get over yourself. You're not good. Amen? <laughs> the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So, well, I'm pretty good. No, you're not. <laughs> you're prideful, and you need to be humbled. Get over yourself. Amen? So, point number one. I don't know if we're going to get all through all these. We'll see. Precious Jesus, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Number two, our precious cornerstone. Look at verse six. It says, therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. That's Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. So Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the stumbling stone. He's the foundation stone. He's a supernatural stone that destroys all the, in the vision of all the kingdoms in Daniel two, And he's the rock that gave Israel water in Zion. So the scripture context in the Old Testament scriptures, they all point to Jesus. See, that's a quote in the Old Testament out of Isaiah, and it's pointing to Jesus. And I've told you this, and I saw anybody bring it to me, show me a chapter in the Old Testament, and I will show you Jesus. Come on Thursday night, we see Jesus every week. Can I get an amen to that? So I want you to know that it's always pointing to him and he has fulfilled it all. He is the cornerstone. You can't have the building without Jesus. Amen? If you don't have Jesus, you have a building that is going to crumble. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. Amen? And we're built on Jesus Christ. It says, I lay in Zion. Zion is a one of my grandson's names, but Zion is Jerusalem, and the foundation of the church would be laid at Jerusalem. What happened to Jerusalem? There was a temple in Jerusalem, but something more important happened in Jerusalem. What was that? The crucifixion. Jesus died on the cross. Amen? The temple was God's plan in the old covenant, it was used mildly by the Lord. Every piece of furniture, don't have time to go through it, all pointed to Jesus. But ultimately, it was pointing, all those sacrifices in Jerusalem were pointing what what was going to happen right there in Jerusalem on the outskirts of town that Jesus was going to be crucified. The foundation stone or the cornerstone was the first stone, the greatest stone, and all other stones were linked to it and laid upon it. So if you don't have the cornerstone, the building falls. If we don't have Jesus Christ in our life, we're going to fail. Amen? Amen. But we're linked to him, we're built upon him, and the stone only strengthens the building, not only strengthens it, but unites the parts and keeps them and holds them together. You know what holds us together? Our common bond in Jesus Christ. And the person of the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, amen? Isn't this different when you come to church and when you meet some friends that don't know the Lord at a restaurant? Isn't it different? You may love them, but this is different. This is a family reunion every time we come to church. That's why I hug on all of you, amen? You hug each other. Why? We got Jesus in common. It's koinonia, right? It's that fellowship. It's that agape love that we have for each other. Notice he used the word there, elect, chosen, picked out, chosen by God. He chose you. He chose you. I always felt bad for people who didn't get chosen. I was kind of athletic when I was young. Those things are behind me. But I would like, I would like pick like the kid who always got picked last. Like we're out playing flag football, and I would pick the kid who got picked last. Because, and he, what? And you know what? Because I just wanted that kid to know what it was like to be chosen. Can I get him into that? You know, you don't want to be the guy, well, we'll take the girl with the cast, and you can have him. You, know, you don't want to be that guy. Right? <laughs> That's rough. But here's the good news. God chose you. And he chose you in all your flaws and all your faults. He didn't choose you because you were good. He chose you because he's gracious. Amen? Amen. i chosen by God. Don't worry about how many people like your latest post. I'm chosen by God. God provided for us in his Son the only foundation upon which we may stand for eternity. He alone can save, he alone is the way. And again, it's blasphemous to say or believe anything different. Notice it says the word precious there. It keeps coming up here. Held in honor, prized, precious. Jesus is precious to his father and you and I are precious to him. He who believes on him will not be put to shame. Peter once again brings an eternal perspective to their situation. The direct translation in the Hebrew text is, he who believes on him shall not make haste. What he's saying is, we won't be in a hurry. We won't be fearful. We won't be running for our lives. Those in the midst of persecution who are standing with Jesus, we can just stand with him. You plus God is a majority. Some may be considering returning to Jerusalem. Logic, if I stay and stand, I will have to run for my life. Peter's words and direct contradictions, if you stand and stay, you'll stand with the Lord, and God will stand with you, and God will stand for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. He's a faithful God. Most significantly, this speaks of our eternal deliverance from the enemy. Because guys, ultimately, one out of every one person dies. Amen? Amen. And we're all going to stand before the Lord one day. And the only thing that will matter is what have you done with God's son? He's not going to be impressed with your 401k or how big your house was or how much you could bench press or whatever else. All these things that we think are important, all chaff, won't matter. We're going to stand before him. Neither we know him or we don't. Don't leave earth without him. Amen. His greatest application is it's not the attempt of men to temporarily shame us in a way that we need to fear, but the eternal shame and separation that would come to those who reject the Lord. Verse 7 Our precious Savior. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. To those who know the Lord, he is precious. The word believe there is to have faith in. Those who have truly put their faith in Jesus Christ, he is precious. When Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who's heard of him? Prince of Preachers, 19th century. When he was 16 years old, he preached his first sermon in a village cottage to a handful of poor people. And the text he chose was 1 Peter 2.7. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. Spurgeon said that he didn't think he could have preached on any other Bible passage, but Christ was precious to my soul, and I was in the flesh of my youthful love, and I could not be silent when a precious Jesus was the subject. See, if Jesus is precious to you, you'll be unashamed to speak about him. If he's precious to you, you won't be silent. You won't be unashamed. You'll spend time in prayer. You'll spend time in his presence. You'll want to read his word. You'll want to become more like him. Is Jesus precious to your soul? This is what Spurgeon said. Remember on your answer to this question depends on your condition. You believe if he is precious to you, but if he is not precious, you're not a believer and you are condemned already because you believe not in the son of God. Is he precious to you? Is he valuable to you? I believe we can know if he is precious to us by how we talk about him. Do you talk about him? Do you spend time with him? When you talk about him, are you mumbling quietly because you're ashamed of him? Or do you talk about him the way that you would talk about the person that you love the most? I keep bringing up my son. It's probably never going to stop happening, by the way. Because I love him. Amen. Talk about my wife a lot because I love her. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. You know what? I talk about you guys because I love you. I love you all very much. If he's truly precious to us, his praise will continually be in our mouths. Amen. Amen. I'd encourage you, next time you're in the grocery store, just start singing praise songs while you're walking around the store. Not only will we not curse his name, but it hurts when we hear others do it. Amen? When you hear someone curse his name, and again, they don't know the Lord, but it still hurts. You know why it hurts? Because you're cursing my dad. Amen? You're cursing the one who died for me. You're cursing the one I love the most. By the way, I'm just going to be, here you go, ready? We should not be paying money to watch things where they curse our Savior. Amen? Well, you know, the movie is really great. They curse God's name about 37 times. Other than that, not so much. Can I get an amen? And I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just saying if you love the Lord, it should be something you don't want to hear. Let alone take his money to hear it. Can I get an amen to that? We get to heaven, no one's going to be cursing his name anymore. Praise the Lord. Many today, even among those who would call themselves Christians, would say that cursing his name has become so common it's not a big deal. It's a big deal. Of the overflowing of man's heart, his mouth speaks. Words don't slip out, they pour out from your heart. Amen? Here, Christians defending themselves. Well, I've got a cursing problem. It's just a problem I have. Well, no, it's a reflection of your heart. You need to repent, bro. Amen? Lovingly, but you need to repent. I need to repent every day. How about you? Precious means esteem to the highest degree. Let me finish up verse 7, then we'll, the rest will be on next week's message. But God the Father sees His Son as precious. This verse tells us that true belief is reflected in how we see Jesus. Is He precious to you? Are your thoughts of Him filled with love and honor and reverence, or do you doubt Him? Do you question Him? Do you get mad at Him? We might have moments where we do that, and God's gracious enough to love us through it. Amen. But that being said, he should always be the one who's precious to us. Is his name precious to you? I love this old hymn. Grew up in the Baptist church. That ought to clue you guys all in on why I say Amen so much. Amen. <laughs> Got saved at the first Baptist Church of Wilmington in Mrs. Green Sunday school class in nineteen sixty eight. A church my dad pastored before we became part of Calvary Chapel. Well, if you're if you're old, you'll know this song. There's just something about that name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's just something about that name. His name should be precious to us. Can I get an amen? We should have reverence for it, sing praises about it, and long for the day when we will see him face to face. I've had people tell to me, come on, Pastor Dave, lighten up, man. It's just, you know, just a word. It's just, no, it, his name is the name above all names. Amen. And there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Amen? We can know if he is precious to us by how we talk about him, and finally, by how much time we spend with him. My wife and I have been married 37 years this month, and if I spend no time with her, we wouldn't have been married 37 years. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Wouldn't have survived. And we can't grow in our relationship with the Lord if we don't spend time with him. If we don't make him a priority. And by the way, spending time with him should be a get to, not a have to. Amen. Amen. We shouldn't have to drag people to church if you love Jesus. Amen. Amen. We should be excited about it. This is a highlight of my week. I don't know about you, Anytime time with God's people, it just doesn't get any better. Let me end with this. Discipline versus passion. Discipline, I've used this illustration once before. Discipline is a, a young man decides his New Year's resolution is he's going to get up because he starts work at six. He's going to get up every morning at 4.30 and spend uh, an hour with the Lord in the word. And he gets up and he just feels committed to do it. And at 5.15, he's drooling in his Bible because he's trying in his own strength. Now, that same young man meets the most beautiful woman he's ever met in his life. And she works graveyard shift and he works all day, so the only time they can meet is at 5 a.m. That bro gets up at four, takes a shower, goes by the flower mart, gets flowers, buys her Starbucks, and is waiting at a quarter of five for her to show up. That's the difference between discipline and passion. Amen. Guys, we want to have passion for the Lord not just disciplined to try to spend time with the Lord. When we're in love with the Lord, we should be waking up excited to spend time with him. Can I get an amen to that? So I can't believe I didn't get through six verses, but the Bible rocks. Amen. It's good stuff. So precious Jesus rejected by men, but chosen by God, turn away from the world and our old behavior and come to Jesus. It's not man's approval, but God's approval that matters. It's not about being popular with men, but being faithful to God. Precious means valuable. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our precious cornerstone. He's the rock upon which our foundation is built, upon which our faith is built. People say, how do you know you're right? Because we've got a cornerstone and nobody else does. How do you know you're right? Because we have a risen and living Savior in an empty tomb and nobody else does. We have a perfect holy God. We have 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. That's only possible because God wrote it, amen? We don't doubt our faith. We don't question our faith. We don't have to. It's been proven prophetically, historically, archeologically. And if you open it up and read it with the power of the Holy Spirit, God will speak to you. You wanna hear God speak out loud? Open up your Bible and read it out loud. Amen? And he is also our precious Savior. Muhammad never thought said he could save anybody. And that's good because he needed to be saved. Amen? Buddha never said he could save anybody. He sat under a tree saying, I don't know what life's all about. We don't have, Joseph Smith died in a gunfight. Charles Taser, all these guys said he was a Greek scholar. They put him on, he didn't know one word of Greek. So you got all these people that are proclaiming to be the, the Messiah, proclaiming to be the one that has the L. Ron Hubbard, claimed to be God, then he died. And by the way, he did not raise again, amen? He's our savior. And he's the savior of the world. And we're gonna go back to Israel at some point if things ever lighten up. And I'll tell you what, I've been inside that tomb Four times and it's empty. And you know what? We can dig up Muhammad's bones right now. Buddha's bones, all the bones of Joseph Smith, all the false gods. We do not serve a dead God. We serve a risen and living savior. He is our savior. And true belief is how we see Jesus. Is Jesus precious to you? Because guess what? You're precious to him. And he deserves to be praised and we don't and we shouldn't be and yet he loves us. He knows everything about us, and he loves us anyway. And if we know everything about him, we can't help but love him because he's lovable. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your love and your grace. We thank you that you are our precious Savior, the Redeemer, the Savior of all mankind, perfect holy God. No one before you, besides you, or after you. You're not created, you're the creator. You always have been, you always will be. You are the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. You know us best and you love us most. I pray for every one of us here, that Lord, no matter how precious you are to us today, you be more precious to us tomorrow. That we would spend more time in your presence, that we would seek your face above all else. That You would be the priority and the passion of our lives. That we wouldn't worry about being popular with men, but being faithful to you. I'd I'd be amiss if I didn't do this. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. If you're here today and Jesus isn't precious to you, he needs to be. You're precious to him. He knows you best. He loves you most. He'd rather die than live without you. He proved it on the cross. He knew before the foundation of the world that you'd be sitting here on January 16th, 2022. You'd have an opportunity to give your life to him. Let today be the day of salvation. Don't leave here without him. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father in heaven. Not asking you to join a church, but to make a decision to enter into a relationship with our precious savior. That's your desire. I just want you to raise your hand right where you are and I'll pray with you right now. Anybody at all. Don't leave here without the Lord. If you're not saved, don't leave here without him. He loves you so much, you'd rather die than live without you. He's a gracious God, a merciful God, and a loving God. Lord, we do, we love you. We praise you. We can't wait for heaven. But Lord, until we get there, may we walk in the joy of the Lord as the temple of the Holy Spirit You dwell within us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.